you create content pieces on that blog that's talking about how do I pick the right nail polish for broken nails. And then from within that content, you explain exactly how do you pick the right nail polish. And then from that page, you link, and this is what we call an internal link, to your money page. So you're like, hey, by the way, if you want to purchase nail polishes, here's a bunch of nail polishes that we have that you can purchase. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the Tan the Cake Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon sellers. Today we're going slightly outside our box because most Amazon sellers have their own direct to consumer site, but in my experience, it's not very successful, if I may say so. So today we're going to try and fix that, particularly getting traffic to your e commerce site and getting it affordably is the big challenge. And today to help us with that is Farzad Rashidi from Responder, is a link building and digital PR platform that helps e-commerce businesses get organic traffic from Google. Really important stuff. Faza, first of all, warm welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. All pleasures mine. Thanks for having me on the show, Michael. What, what a charming response. The pleasure is all mine as well. Let's talk about this then. So first of all, what are we talking about? We're talking SEO, organic traffic. Let's just make sure that we understand what we're talking about here. What is it that sure. you are addressing and what is commonly referred to as SEO, but is not in your opinion? Let's define this cleanly. Of course. Absolutely. So, Michael, you know, a lot of Amazon sellers who are listening to the show, obviously, I'm sure they're doing very well with Amazon. Obviously, you are reliant on them up to a certain degree. And when it comes to sales and obviously working with their algorithm, make sure that you show up for your target keywords. Now, a lot of sellers don't want to give a cut to Amazon and don't want to be entirely reliant and build their business on top of another business. So lots of folks, what we've seen is that they start another commerce store of their own. So you may be using Shopify or some other tool to have your own store and have your own brand and have a direct way of selling to consumer. Unfortunately, however, <laughs> Michael, a lot of people fail on that avenue because that's they fail to attract enough people, visitors to their website to actually be able to drive some traffic. What we really focus on at Respana, we are a software company. So we are basically uh, providing all the tool sets that you need in order to actually promote that D2C website. In this episode, I'm looking to mainly talk about what are some of the ways on how you be able to build the right site structure first and write the right types of pieces of content. And then, then we could talk about hopefully in a secondary episode how you can actually go out and promote it in terms of getting some backlinks into your website and actually get it up in the search results. Great. I guess the end result we're wanting is free traffic then. So by the sound of it, Google traffic is very straightforward. So you mentioned structure, content, and then backlinks. I suppose we're talking about on-site SEO. Is that the right phrase? That the, the stuff that you do before you bother emailing everybody and saying, oh, give me a backlink <laughs> to my wonderful content. So how do we go about this then? What's the structured way of sure. doing this? 
Absolutely. So just to give you a little background here, Michael, and for folks who are listening, I actually joined as the first marketing hire at our parent company called Visme. Michael, have you heard of Visme before? I haven't come across them, I must confess. No worries, no problem. Have you heard of tools like Canva or Prezi? One of these tools yes, for design? Yes, Canva I've used you know, every five seconds. So that, that I've All right, perfect. That, yeah. That's great. Canva is a great platform. We are a, I would say, B2B version of Canva in a way, if I want to put it very simply. So we cater predominantly to SMB enterprise companies. So I joined an organization as a first marketing hire, and there were a bunch of engineers and designers that put together this product. And they were like, hey, we're a bootstrap company. We have very limited budget. And go out there and sell this thing. <laughs> so I'm faced with two problems. One is paid ads. So, so as I'm sure lots of folks, especially in a commerce business, have noticed that, that and COVID sort of catalyzed the whole I would say process. But paid ads is not really known to be a very scalable channel when it comes to building a business because the cost per acquisition is growing very rapidly and basically catches up with your LWB pretty quickly over time. And also there's a diminishing ROI. So what that means is that when you double your budget on a paid ad, doesn't mean that you're going to double your conversion. So at some point that it becomes more expensive to start acquiring customers. So that's not a very scalable channel. Obviously it works for certain brands and certain companies. And if you play your cards right, but it's a very expensive way to get some eyeballs. And it gets only more expensive by the day because they use a bidding system. And also there's cold outreach, but unfortunately, especially if you're selling a affordable product, like for us, Visme was a software company and we were, our subscriptions were like $15 a month. It's not something you go and sell door to door. We wanted to quickly figure out a way and how be able to build a scalable channel that we could bring in organic traffic to our website. And that sort of triggered us to start focusing more on our SEO. And uh, right now, just to give you a, a little sense of scale, Visme is not getting over 3 million monthly organic traffic. And if we were to bring in that same level of traffic using ads, that would have cost us about a million and a half a month worth of paid advertising. And that we're not getting for free, quote, obviously it's not entirely free because we have writers and marketing team that actually manages that process, but it's nowhere near a million and a half bucks a month. The process of actually building the right website, that sort of starts with keyword research. And that's one of the, I would say the most important step when it comes to building a website is that a lot of people just assume things and then they go on and slap a bunch of pieces of content on their blog and then they build a bunch of landing pages and they're like, okay, I'm done with my mouth website now. <laughs> and they put it out there and it's going to be crickets. And that's exactly what we did at Visme. <laughs> we started investing a lot of time and resources building these content pages and pillar pages and whatnot. And it was Nothing. <laughs> it was absolutely cricket. So what we basically soon realized was that first thing we had to do was to figure out a way to build content pieces that are prioritized for our business. And that there's quite a scientific process now you'd be able to do that. And it's not just writing from the heart. So first step is to put yourself in shoes of a consumer. So are your customers aware of the problems that they're trying to resolve? And if so, are they actively looking for solutions or products on Google in order to find a product like yours? If you answered yes to both of these questions, that means that you need to have a DTC site and focus on your SEO. If answer is no to any of these questions, stick with Amazon, stick with whatever is working. Don't waste your time on SEO. All right, so very simple. So step one is to figure out, hey, is SEO the right channel for my e-commerce product? The answer to that is yes. Now let's figure out a way and how we're going to, what key terms we're going to go after and how we're going to get up in the search results. 
So any product you sell has a customer journey. So, right, yeah, everybody's heard of the consideration stage and awareness stage and you get to the decision stage. Same goes for SEO. So let's say I have a mattress e-commerce store and I sell on Amazon. I'm like, hey, I sell mattresses and it's, these are all expensive and I don't want to give away cut to Amazon. So I want to have my own DTC site, be able to upsell better and have a sense of control. First thing you do is that if your parent keyword is mattress, it's a very competitive, huge keyword that you probably will never be able to rank for. Let's be realistic here. So one of the first steps we want to do is, is in terms of keyword research is to understand what keywords we need to go after. And there are a lot of on-page SEO tools that help you do that. And that's, they're called Ahrefs. And that's the software we use ourselves. There's also a great tool called SEMrush. There are also some cheaper uh, free alternatives as well, like Uber suggests you can start with if you're concerned with the budget and there's a limited budget, so start with that. And first, you can run that parent keyword through one of these tools. And it gives you a gazillion different search suggestions. And uh, that's a starting point. So for example, how do I pick the right mattress? Or what are some of the best, best like pillow covers? I don't know. <laughs> Not in the mattress industry. But there's going to be a gazillion different keywords. Now, what we want to do is to help prioritize some of these. And the way we prioritize keywords based on a little formula I developed, which I call the opportunity score. And that is basically based on ranking these keywords based on three factors. One, how the amount of volume you get. So obviously, the higher, the better. Two, is the amount of competition that's already for that keyword. So the lower, the better. And highest commercial intent. So if somebody's looking for, hey, what are some of the best jobs in the mattress industry? It's not quite as commercially valuable for us as, hey, what are some of the best mattresses to purchase? You know what I mean? So we want to have a sense of priority for these keywords. And we create a formula. Each one of these metrics correlate with a metric that these SEO tools will give you, you pop it into this formula, which I call the opportunity score. And then you sort of descending on a little spreadsheet. Now you got a handful of keywords that you can go after. Now the step-by-step -step instruction, the process for how I go about this is actually uh, described with screenshots in the ebook that I wrote my days in video. Folks, when I learn more about exactly how to go about it and step-by-step -step follow through, it's difficult to do that on a podcast format because I can't share my screen and I show you around. It's just the Google VisMe marketing strategy. It's a free ebook. You can download it, pass it on to your marketing team and uh, let them follow through that process of identifying the right keyword first. And then the second step would be to actually have to create these web pages and taking things forward, which I can talk about here in a minute. Wow. So lots to take on board. I guess that a lot of that sounds like uh, pretty good common sense. Common sense isn't necessarily common just because it should be easy. doesn't mean that most of us don't skip it. Like for the podcast, I have a terrible habit of not doing any customer deciding keyword research and just taking based on the quality of what they offer and whether I'm interested. And I try and make sure it's relevant, but I haven't done any Google keyword research, which explains why the podcast is doing well and our SEO is horrible. So I can attest to that. Just that the doing things that way does not work. I'm with you on that. It's one of my sort of big projects that I need to get around to. Just a lot That's of right. Amazon sellers have not got around to it with their D2C site, I think. So tell me about that. Let's talk about the reality then. One of the things that gets in the way of doing this stuff is just time. So how do we get this process to work? be effective and yet efficient, i.e. we can actually get down to it with a small team or even, maybe even a solopreneur. Sure. What I was explaining takes 10 minutes to do. So we haven't sent a rocket to the moon yet. All we're doing is to figure out, hey, what are some of the terms that people are searching in our space? 
and how we go about prioritizing them. Now, one thing I forgot to mention as I was explaining is uh, there is a metric called keyword difficulty that these tools give you. And as a rule of thumb, you want to ignore keyword difficulties that have a higher score of your uh, compared to your domain rating. And it's a very technical way of saying, hey, don't go off, don't shoot for the stars when it comes to SEO. Start from some low hanging fruit to some lower volume keywords that have lower competition and work your way up as the website starts trickling, getting some traffic. So meaning that if you started a mattress company, don't go com- compete with Casper and Purple from day one, start from some of the smaller mom pop stores <laughs> that are trying to rank for these really long tail variations. So that once you go through that process, you automatically do that. So once you throw out keywords that have very high competitiveness, then you can start from a ground that's reasonable to start. Now, after we have a sense of a, a list of keywords, now, depending on the amount of resources you have, are you just a one-man show? Okay, great. Let's go down the list, take each one of these keywords, run it through a little incognito tab of your browser through Google, and see what some of the t- content types that come up with that keyword. So if somebody's looking for, hey, how to pick the right pillow cover, they're likely at the awareness stage. So they're looking for a blog article that's educational, that's explaining, hey, how to pick the right pillow cover. So don't insert a plug in your product too much. Don't write 200 word articles either. Go and actually create a comprehensive guide on pillow covers and how you pick the right one. That actually has, and that's something that 99% of companies that do content marketing don't do. So that automatically put, puts you in the top 1% of content in terms of content quality, which is not enough to get you up in the search results, but that's a requirement <laughs> to start. And you go down to keywords and depending on the intent of that keyword, which Google literally tells you, if it's a blog post, seven out of 10 search results on the top one page are, are blog articles, that means you probably need to create a guide. Or if there's, hey, best mattresses, probably a listicle. So you're creating a sales page now that doesn't explain the history of mattresses you're directly trying to sell a product so depending on the user intent for each one of the keywords that now you have a prioritized list for then you create a corresponding page and that's normally step two when it comes to building the right website okay so it sounds like you're looking at the competition not so much to copy them necessarily but to see what kind of result google thinks that keyword implies and then make sure you go along with the hint Everyone's got a list, create a list. So I guess what you're saying is don't be trying to be different in a sort of clever way. Interesting. So we're not going to stand out because of that. What does help us stand out? I guess I'm thinking a bit like an Amazon seller here, but what helps us stand out? If we've got, say, the first few organic results on the page one, I guess that implies you've got to be able to rank in position one to three in the first place. How do we even get ourselves ranked, I guess, is the key question that everyone's asking. That is a great question. Absolutely. First of all, when it comes to creating the content type, don't get too creative on that just simply because Google runs millions of A-B tests every second for that keyword that you're looking at. And they found that these are the ones that get the most amount of clicks. They have a pretty good understanding of user intent. So that means once you understand the type of content look at what users are looking for, and if you really want to stand out, create a better piece of content that's already that compared to what's already out on the web for that target keyword of yours. So meaning that if you're creating like, what is the, how do I pick the right pillow covers? Understand some ways on how you can imply the most amount of information in the shortest amount of words possible and how or way you can get around creating and structuring that piece of content that's really turned up to you. It's important not to get too bogged down the technicalities when it comes to writing that content. You want to focus entirely on user base, right? So everything, all the nerdiness happens before you start writing. So picking the right keyword prioritization and finding out the user intent. And once you have the target keyword, then write from the heart. 
that that stage. You have to put yourself in shoes of a reader and understand exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Now, once you put together that piece of content, you're going to be in the top 1%, I promise you. But here's the problem. When you look up, how do I pick the right pillow cover? There's millions, if not billions of web pages competing for that same keyword. And let's say you're in the top 1% in terms of quality of content. Your yeah, content you wrote is optimized. It's, it, it, it provides good information. Your site loads fast. It's responsive. All the on-page side of things are good. Then you're still going to be in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, <laughs> even if you're in the top 1%, just because there's so many other people trying to rank for that keyword. And that's sort of where the backlinks come from. And that's something we learned the hard way. It's the really only way you can actually get your content pieces up in search results for competitive terms. Okay, interesting. So it's quite sobering, but I guess that makes Amazon look quite kind of user-friendly or seller-friendly because there might only be, you know, a 1,000 or 200 or even, if you're lucky, 100 competitive results uh, as opposed to 100,000. So you've talked about the keyword research, how to prioritize one, which, by the way, sounds extremely similar to how would I prioritize going after a keyword market on Amazon, except that if I'm going to commit to ordering $5,000 worth of product from China to give it a test, I might give it a little bit more of a thorough look than if I'm writing a thousand word article. But nevertheless, same idea. So volume, search volume versus competition and that sweet spot between. But one thing that I think I, I know that we do extraordinarily badly, amazing FBA, which is at least not an e-commerce site. <laughs> is that we have a terrible site structure. There's lots of, I think, interesting content from actually it's probably badly written, but linked to great stuff. So I think the podcast interviews are good. We spend a lot of time on that. Our show notes are probably pretty scanty, but we have just tons of stuff there, but it's very badly structured. Now, I imagine an e-commerce site when you have hundreds and hundreds of product detail pages, potentially with thousands of got variations, uh, color sizes, whatever, that that could be a bit of a mess for Google to make sense of. So tell me a bit about site structure we talked about keywords we talked about the related content with them sure how do we create a bigger picture that is not mm -hmm. a garbled mess exactly when it comes to a commerce store first thing you do if you've done it wrong go delete all the pages delete all the content that's getting zero traffic has zero backlinks and that's something a lot of people don't want to do just do it those are just wasting space waste your crawl budget and it's doing no good to anyone. Okay. So if you've already started doing things wrong, go from start from scratch. And normally what you want to focus on, and again, this is something that is going to take me a heck of a lot more than five minutes to go through for the remainder of this episode. But what you want to do is to take a look at a silo structure. So if you sell, for example, different kinds of nail polish, and if you sell different kinds of mattresses, create different silos for each one. So each one has a hub page, which is what we call the money page. That's where you sell your product. And then each one of these hub pages has a category of content around them. So you're basically writing pieces about nail polish. And then you go through the same process of running that parent keyword, identifying search items and going and creating content pieces corresponding to the user intent. So what you want to do is to first go ahead and create a money page or a landing page for the products that you're selling. And depending on the category that each one is, you want to create a silo of content for each one. And that's a very basic silo structure for any e-commerce site that I recommend that's just getting started. Nice. Okay. So if I understand, you've got your product detail page is what you call the hub page. And I guess that there's lots of words and images and whatever will induce you know better conversion rates there. That's right. Um, but 
you may be getting traffic from somebody that's slightly lower buyer intent, right? If you're selling a nail polish, what's the best nail polish for, I don't know, broken nails or something. That's quite specific, right. long tail keyword. So I guess that's that shows a certain degree of specific, specificity, but they're not saying how can I buy one. So I guess maybe you have a comparison chart and then the comparison chart would what, click through to various different product detail pages. Is that what you do something like that? No. So normally you create a blog and each blog has different silos of content. So you got a silo for nail polish and then you create content pieces on that blog that's talking about how do I pick the right nail polish for broken nails. And then from within that content, you explain exactly how do you pick the right nail polish. And then from that page, you link, and this is what we call an internal link to your money page. So you're like, Hey, by the way, if you want to purchase nail polishes, here's a bunch of nail polishes that we have that you can purchase. So the, what happens now over time, you create a topical authority for that parent keyword. So that, for example, just to give you an example, if we go in Google presentation software right now in Google and open a little incognito tab, open it, open it, just go ahead and Google presentation software. There's about three and a half billion search results for that keyword. And what do you see in the top result after the ads? Not everybody ignores. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have a look at it in a second. But sure. I'm making notes for everyone here, but yeah, what is the top result? Sure. So Wisme should be up there. <laughs> That's why I was asking you to take a look at that. But basically what you see now is the top of the iceberg. So what you see now is our product page, or this is a landing page where people were looking for presentation software with naturally land on our page and we can sign up for our products and start using it. But what you don't see is a, about a thousand pieces of content pieces that we've written about presentations that each one have an internal link to that landing page. And what happens is that in, in eyes of Google, they're saying, oh, this is an authoritative resource on presentations. So they have a sense of topical authority for the presentation keyword. Now that when you put out a landing page for presentation software, you have a much higher chance of getting ranked and the okay. top search results for your actual commercial keywords. Uh, and by the way, I can attest, I don't know if I can even show this here on, uh, here we go, that the, if you're listening on the podcast, you won't be able to see this, but I can attest that the top result organically for best presentation software is visme.co. So definitely not lying there, <laughs> live on the podcast. So very impressive. But okay, so what you're saying is then, it sounds like you have to rank for a lot of shorter sell keywords in order to then rank for, a, sorry, longer tail keywords, I should say. Let me say that again. You have to rank for a lot of longer tail keywords in order to rank somewhat for a short tail keyword. A bit like on Amazon. It's not surprising because I'm sure that Amazon has copied Google SEO to some degree insofar right. as it applies to a shopping site rather than... That's right. So yeah. a couple of and things about that. I was ahead. just going to say one, one question I've heard because I've been one of my... Uh, clients in the 10K Collective Mastermind, a very experienced e-commerce seller, but he's also moved into the SEO world. And I was talking to him about a blog a while ago, and he was saying that one thing he would try to do rather than deleting a lot of content that doesn't have very good uh, traffic is to link the very low traffic type keywords. Sorry, let me put this for, again. Pages which have keywords that will never get high traffic anyway to try and link them in silos. So I guess it's the same sort of idea you were saying, except that he's saying use the not very well performing content and link it together into the bigger hub pages, as you call it, uh, and it should prefer better. Is that I, advisable I or do you still think that deletion is the right way forward in most cases? So what he's referring to is what we call a content audit. So every six months we do that at both of our companies, at Bizme and Responda, where we understand, okay, what are some of the content pieces that have had zero traffic and no backlinks? within six months of publishing. And 
those are potentially a good idea to actually revert and uh, do what we call a 3-1 redirect to a hub page if they have some external backlinks pointing to them. Uh, if they have nothing, it is probably advisable to delete. It's something that's completely reliant on the site structure of the industry, or and it's not a one-size-fits-all answer to every company in the world. So uh, the process of content audits is to either delete, redirect, or uh, keep. And that's something that is a big flowchart that our team uses to understand. So we don't need to talk about that stuff during this podcast because we're trying to give the basics to people just to have a starting point. Obviously, if you are looking to scale things from there, you need to work with a person who's worked in SEO before and knows their stuff to actually be able to implement a lot of them. But right now, we're just talking to people who are just starting out or they're basically starting off with a DTC website that gets zero traffic. They're actually trying to get some people in the door. Yeah, that does make sense. We don't want to try and walk before we can run. But it's interesting. That's right. so quite a few people probably have got some content up, but they're still in early stages in that they're not sure what to do with it. But as you said, yeah. that is a different problem. So yeah, talking of services, I guess we ought to just uh, talk about the fact that you guys offer services because as you say, this is quite complex stuff. And rather than trying to DIY it, and if you're not right in the early stages, or if you are in the early stages, but you have better things to focus your energy on, then you know, it might make sense to employ an expert. So what do you guys do to help e-commerce sellers with their D2C sites exactly? Sure. So we don't actually provide any services, Michael. We are a completely software company. So Respondo is basically a platform folks can use that now that you have a decent website and you want to actually get some backlinks to your website because that's step three when it comes to building the right website is actually promotion. That now that when you put together the right pieces of content, build these landing pages, it's going to be crickets because you're going against hundreds of thousands of stuff, millions of other websites. So what you need to do is to start building relationships with relevant publications in your space and incentivizing them to collaborate with you in order to gain mentions of backlinks to your website. And that's that vote of popularity nice Google and other search engines. And the process of finding out what are some of these publications to reach out to, get their contact information and reach out to them is something that Respond to help you automate and also do in an efficient manner. And as a, and it's a standalone product. So I recommend if you're starting with an SEO strategy, if you want a consultant, I recommend you to do some research on your own. We don't provide any services. I just wanted to be very clear cut. My goal here is just to educate folks and be able to, but a lot of it can be done yourself by yourself. You don't need to go invest a, a ton of cash in another SEO person. I would recommend you to start with normally a base yourself, get a hang of things and understand, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? Because there's a lot of malpractice, unfortunately, in the SEO space and a lot of people overcharge. So what you want to understand is that, hey, what are some of the basics? What is it exactly we're trying to do? Let's go do it. Up until the point it becomes very hard to scale, we don't have the resources to do it internally. Now let's try to delegate to a, an agency or somebody who can help us scale. And that way you can actually bet set clear cut expectations for people instead of basically just throwing money at it, if that makes sense. So the whole question of outsourcing and at what point you do that and whether you can find an agency within uh, any kind of digital agency could be hard. Yeah, I would say you're about right with that. Just in general, delegation, try and do it yourself. And then when you hit a wall or you've got better things to do with your time, it's quite a good time to delegate. There are some situations where if you can find a competent agency, you just delegate from the start. I've had some clients do that with success. But as you say, that's the exception to the rules. I guess most agencies aren't necessarily amazing and you don't even know what you don't know until you've tried it for yourself. That's probably for me the number one reason That's to right. get your hands in the cookie dough, as they say in the States. So yeah, having a, a way of dealing with backlinks, by the way, 
does strike me as the most awkward bit. I've my VA and I, that's another thing I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I've spent far too little time on getting backlinks. Of course, we have right. the luck of having good guests like yourself and we get backlinks from the guests, but it is a very manual, difficult process. Anything that helps that is going to be a good thing. So a couple of things that, first of all, people want to use Responder, I guess they just go to responder.com, R-E-S-P-O-N-A. Any other sort of ways that people should use it directly or any other help that you offer? Sure. So I actually would advise against people to go straight up, sign up for Respana. Save your money. We have a lot of free educational content on our blog. You can still do a lot of what Respana does yourself manually. One of, there's a myriad of different ways on how you can promote your DTC website. That's something that we're more than happy to talk about in the second episode that we're going to chat more. But basically, a lot of that requires you to do a lot of manual research, finding the right publications, getting the right person's contact and phone reach out through a different variety of strategies. We actually have a little outreach strategy hub on our website. So if you go to respona.com, respona.com, the very bottom, uh, we have a free ungated uh, piece of content. It's a recipe book of different outreach tactics and strategies you can use to actually now promote your DTC website. And and one of those strategies, by the way, Michael, is podcast outreach. And so the fact that that I'm here right now is one of the strategies that we outline in the ebook where you find what are some of the people in your industry go on relevant podcasts in your space. You pitch those hosts to go on as a guest and they, they turn it into an episode and you get free advertising to a niche audience. And also you get a backlink to your website because they normally have the episode turn into a written piece of content. There's lots of strategies like that on the average strategy hub. And you can do most of those manually yourself. Again, it's going to take a lot of time, but that's where response comes into play is to save you time by automating a lot of the dirty manual work so that you can focus more on actually running your business. <laughs> Excellent. And by the way, I, I love the fact that you're saying you don't use Responder yet, it's too early, but use our free guide. That's very generous of you. I put a, a bit of a, a redirect to keep it easier. So folks, if you want that very comprehensive sort of set of guides, really, it's amazingfba.com forward slash backlink, which will link through to that strategy hub. I know we're going to talk in our next episode about building an affiliate network, but I think for the moment, people got quite enough to take on board uh, with your SEO tips. Yeah, lots to take on board, but very, I'm always excited by the possibility of SEO, a bit like with email marketing. I've experienced email marketing success to a degree myself, so I know how great it can be. SEO, I've seen other people do it. I haven't really experienced it myself. So it's an unscratched itch. I think that's true for a lot of us. What's your final piece of wisdom? What's a question that I should have asked you that I haven't? Sure. One, one final thing I would say is in terms of allocation of resources. So one, a lot of people are listening to this podcast. So we've got, we got three people. We're all super busy and we don't have time to do any of this stuff that you just talked about. And, and as I mentioned, there is a very scientific way of figuring out how you need to allocate your time. And the way we figured it out is to first understand if SEO for your DTC site is the right channel. And you answer two questions. Are people Googling to find a product like ours? If so, and also if they're aware of the problem they're trying to solve. And if the answers to those are yes, it's almost idiotic not to invest time on your SEO because you're leaving money on the table. Now, once you decide, okay, we need to go after and focus on our SEO and making sure that our website gets traffic from Google, then there is still a scientific process of how much time you allocate to it. And we follow the 80 20 rule here. We spend 20% of our marketing resources on content creation. The other 80% goes into outreach and promotion. So that means we spend 20, basically, when we create one piece of content or web page, we spend four times the amount of time we created on or spent on creating that piece of content on promotion. Now, if you are a small company, don't have a whole lot of resources, stop producing so much damn content. Produce one piece of content. Once a month, 
and then spend the rest of the month, the last next three to four weeks, promoting that piece of content and then move forward. If you don't have enough resources, don't produce as much content. Just do it less frequently, but you still have to allocate the resources in the proportions that I gave you because otherwise you're just pumping out content that nobody reads and it's going to yield zero results. And then you're like, okay, SEO doesn't work. Okay, yeah. that's how most businesses go out of business. It's just, or just like go of SEO just because they don't do it the right way, allocate the right resources to it to make it successful. Like Responda, we started our website, our content strategy a little over two years ago. And now we're getting about 100,000 people to our website every single month. And it's all coming through our organic channels. We spend zero dollars in paid advertising and do very little cold outreach. And so the process of getting there is a proven, repeatable process. You're just going to have to do it step by step. Nice. I, that's really uh, all good wisdom. I think the provable process thing is very kind of reassuring. And I think the allocation of resources uh, is so smart because everything comes down to 80-20 and a lot of businesses can be turned around by applying that. And uh, I'm certainly guilty of too much content creation and not enough promotion. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> but I, a lot of people are, I think I've seen it myself. So thank you for the uh, the course correction there. And just final thing to say is thank you, Farzad from Responder for coming on and sharing your wisdom about SEO. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Michael. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.